All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. It's so good to have all of our Faith Church family here in Florence. Thank you so much for being here, for taking time, for us to worship together, for us to lean into God's presence, and for us to experience true life change in Him. Can we welcome our Faith Church family in Lawrenceburg and in the Shoals? Come on, it's good to have you guys in the house as well. Thanks so much for being there, as well as everybody else who's watching online, whether you're a first-time guest, a VIP in our book, or whether this is, uh, this is home base and this is the place you worship. Man, we're so glad that you're Faith family. Hey, listen, we said every week, come we believe that Jesus, he is the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, we believe that if you open up your heart to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. Come on, how many people already know that's true? Come on, if you've experienced the goodness of God. Well, listen, we are continuing a series that we started last week entitled The Exchange. Can you all say those two words, The Exchange? There are things in our lives, there are things in our minds, things that we believe, things that we walk in. And part of our journey of faith is an exchange, that we can take who we are and take what we have and take what we experience, and God invites us to make an exchange. And so last week, we introduced this conversation by talking about exchanging lies for truth, that there are things that you believe and things that you walk in that God ultimately calls us to make an exchange. We can exchange lies about who God is and lies about who we are and exchange it for the truth. And Jesus said it this way, that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, that really walking in this journey and this life of faith sometimes comes down to us making the right exchange. And so today we want to continue this conversation, but let me just ask a question on all of our campuses. How many of you currently in this room, again, online, I want you to lift a hand. You currently have a situation in your life that you're wondering about, you're worried about, you're, you're, you're not sure if it'll work out, you're not sure how it'll work out, something maybe you're anxious about, something you're worried about, something you're wondering about. If that describes you, lift a hand. Just something in your life, maybe it's your kids, maybe your kids, or maybe their future is unsure and you're kind of worried about about that, you're navigating it. I know as we look at our culture, as we look at the horizon of our nation, there's, uh, to me, I have lots of questions. How is this going to work out? What direction are we going to go? Where are we going to end up? Sometimes we have questions and we wonder and we worry about our finances, right? Our career path. If you are still a, uh, a student in college and you're wondering about kind of the economic uh, horizon, you know, where does it all lead? A lot of us in this room, we have questions, and we have concerns and we have worries. Now here's the challenge is for all of us as we navigate the situations of life, all of us, we either navigate it with faith or with doubt. Right, there's some of us when we look at our futures, when we look at our kids, when we look at like we're just, man, we have faith. God's got it, God's gonna work it out. He knows like, man, we just, like we're not, we're not losing any sleep at night. There are some of us in this room when we confront the situations of life, our response is faith. And we're sure, we feel great, man, that God's got it. He's going to do his thing. But for more of us probably in this room and at all of our campuses, our answer is not confidence and faith. But probably a lot of us, we have a little bit of uncertainty and doubt. We wonder, is it going to work out? How is it going to work out? We're, sometimes we have these questions that we navigate and we wrestle through. So for all of us in this room, and a lot of us raise our hands, a lot of us in Lawrenceburg and in Shoals that lifted a hand and say, I got a situation, I got an issue, I have a concern. If you are in the category where you're doubting and you're not sure, today I want to have a big conversation on how you can exchange your doubts for faith. Anybody interested in this conversation? I think it's important. It's a, it's a key foundational conversation in scripture. But let me just kind of turn the corner and maybe make this statement that 
Think about for a moment how many of us in this room operate our lives by assumptions. Think about every day how you live from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to bed. Think about how many assumptions drive your life, just the assumptions you make about what's going to happen, where it's going to go. Think about just for a minute about all of the assumptions that it takes to go eat at a restaurant. Think about it for a minute. If you get in your car and you go to a restaurant, you're assuming they're still in business and you're assuming they're open before you even get there. When you get there, you're making the assumptions when you put your name in and they tell you 25 minutes that you're making the assumption they're going to remember to call you and it's actually going to be somewhere in the 25 minute range. When they actually get you seated at your table, you're making the assumption that a waiter or waitress is actually going to show up to your table and take your order. Think about it. You're making an assumption that that kitchen's clean. Oh, I got some of you right there. You're making the assumption when you place an order that actually that's what they're cooking and that's what they're going to serve. Think about all the assumptions that we make in life, again, just based on a restaurant. And you make all of those assumptions based on the reputation of that restaurant. Now, here's why that conversation is important. When it comes to faith, everybody say faith. Faith is making spiritual assumptions based on God's reputation. So when you talk about this big idea, what is faith? Faith is making spiritual assumptions. It's living life a certain way. It's, 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 it's as if God is who he said he is. It's as if God will do what he said he's going to do. That's what faith is. It's making these spiritual assumptions based on God's reputation. And I don't know about you, but part of the purpose of Scripture is to let us know what God's reputation is, who he is, the promises he's made, the things that he's accomplished, that he is faithful to a thousand generations, that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. He's going to accomplish what he said he's going to accomplish. And on the other side of Scripture, I don't know how many people in this room or in any of our campuses, you have your own testimony of God's faithfulness, that God has done some things. God's shown up. God's come through. God's been faithful. Come on. I wish somebody in this place would make some room if you know God's got a good reputation. So faith is making spiritual assumptions. Now, I want us to lean into a conversation found in James chapter 1. We're going to read the whole thing, and then I want to go back and navigate it just a piece at a time. It's found in James chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, and it helps us kind of have this conversation of exchanging doubt for faith. And so if you're in this room, and I just want to say this, uh, if you're wrestling, man, if your faith is strong, man, then, then hang out with me more. Uh, spread yourself around. But if you're in this room and you have doubts and you have concerns and you have questions, I'm glad you're here today. And my, my hope is, and I believe God's will is, that God's going to speak to you and you can walk out of this place having exchanged some of your doubts for faith. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. And I would love it if together at a church, at all of our campuses and online, if we could just read this out loud. It says this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. And he'll not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Man, what an interesting conversation. Exchanging doubts for faith. So watch what he says. Notice how he introduces this conversation. And he kind of puts this out and he asks kind of this question that I think is important for all of us in this room. He said, if you need wisdom. Now, let me just ask the question in this room. How many of you in this room, you need wisdom? You like... Hey, I got decisions to make. I got kids to raise. I got find like, do I keep the money in the market? Do I move it? 
Like, do I stay with these people? Do I date this? How many of you, one more time, you need wisdom all of our campus? Man, this is, this is just a great verse right here. If you need wisdom, but it's bigger than that. I believe ultimately God is, uh, all our, the needs we have in our life is bigger than wisdom. Man, I, I need peace at times. I need strength. There's times I'm worn out, I'm tapped out. There's times I need relationship. There's times I need encouragement. So what is the need in your life? Because a lot of us need wisdom, but a lot of us in our campuses, there's lots of things we need. The question is, who do you turn to with the needs in your life? Well, James answers the question. We already read. He said, if you need wisdom, watch this. You know what you can do with it? Come on, everybody say it. Ask our Ooh, man, I love that. Does anybody know that the God you serve is generous? He's a good God. He's faithful with who he is and what he has. Come on, has anybody experienced the generosity of God? So he says, hey, if you're navigating a situation in your life and you experience a need, whether it be ultimately wisdom as in the context of these verses or strength or grace or peace or whatever it is, if you have a need in your life, James says that together we can turn to and we can ask of our generous God. Man, I just think that's incredible. This conversation about the God of generosity is, is really key to the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus steps on the scene, there, Jesus came for lots of different reasons. Ultimately, Jesus came to be the sacrifice for the sin of all humanity. That was his ultimate goal, but he fulfilled some other things along the way. And one of the reasons he came was to give us a new picture of who God was and what God was like. Because sometimes religion will smear the picture of who God really is. Sometimes being raised under wrong doctrine or in the wrong kind of church, under the wrong kind of preaching, it will skew your picture of who God is. And there are people who are watching this, you won't even come to church because someone has disrupted an accurate picture of who God is. And so Jesus showed up to let us know really who God is and what God is like. And he introduced us to this idea on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. He introduces this idea that the God we serve and the God we love, the God who created us, is also known as our Heavenly Father. That he is a God who is close to us, who cares for us. He is, he is compassionate towards us. And in the conversation of our needs, man, it's powerful. If you've not read Matthew chapter 5 lately, I would encourage you to read it. It's this, it's this idea that Man, all of us have needs, and Jesus says things like this, that, that God knows what you have need of before you ever ask. He not only knows what you have need of before you ask, but he cares for you. In fact, he cares for the birds of the air, and if you're more important than a bird and he takes care of the birds, isn't he going to take care of you too? Come on, somebody. It's all these eyes. So don't be worried and don't be anxious, man, because we have a heavenly Father who loves us and who cares for us. And so when you talk about the challenge that James gives us, you got a need in your life? then go to our generous God. Why? Because Jesus lets us know that, that Jesus uh, introduces us again to, to the heavenly father who lets us know that, that he cares. He cares. He knows. And he's able. Right? He knows what you need before you ask. He cares about what you need as you ask. And he's able to do it when you ask. Come on, is anybody thankful that we serve a generous God? And he goes on, he says this in the next part. So again, if you need wisdom, where do you go with your needs? We can ask our generous God and he will, come on, say this with faith, he will. So when you take the needs in your life and you step into a relationship with Jesus, he says, and you're willing to ask God in faith, the promise of scripture is that he will give it to you. Let's try that again. What's he gonna do? He will give it to you. That's powerful. Some of you just need to grab a hold of that. 
I love this last part because this speaks to me sometimes as a dad, not at my best. It says, and he'll not rebuke you for asking. Now, for all of you that have been really great dads and you never mess up and you never miss the mark, you, this won't make any sense to you. But all the rest of the parents, but dads, anybody here, your kid ever ask, come ask you for something and you do it, but it's like, okay, let's go. Like you're just kind of exasperated that your kid even dared to ask for your slide. Anybody here ever got aggravated that you're like, you did it, but you weren't happy about it. Right, right. God says, when you come ask him for something, he's not going to be exasperated. Oh, I guess. I'm kind of busy, but let's go. He's like, hey, if you, if you need wisdom, if you need strength, if you need grace, if you need peace, if you need hope, if you need help navigating relationships, if you, need a, if you need a breakthrough in your life, if you need grace, he says, listen, whatever your need is, if you need grace for sin, if you need strength in your spiritual struggle, he says, come and ask your generous God. He says, man, he's not going to be exacerbated. He's not going to be frustrated that you came and asked him. He's going to give it to you. That's powerful. Is anybody tracking yet? Anybody fired up by the God we serve yet? Well, we're not done. But when you ask him, come on, let's read this together. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Be sure that your faith is in God alone. So when you have these needs and you realize that there's a God in heaven who cares about you, who's aware of your needs, who cares for your needs, who can answer your needs, he says, hey, when you come to him, he says, you want to make sure you come to him in faith. Well, the question is, what is faith? I'm glad you asked. Faith, Hebrews gives us a really great definition. It says this. Here's what faith is. Now, faith is, everybody read this, every voice. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. And what is it? It's assurance about what we do not see. So having faith, what does it mean to have faith? When it, when it talks about, when I said spiritual assumptions, having faith is this idea that I have a faith and a confidence in life. I have an assurance in life. I have an assurance. I, I've never seen God, but I'm assured that he's there. I didn't see creation, but I'm assured God was a part of it. I'm I have this assurance that when I pray, God hears me. I have this assurance that God is involved and engaged in my life. That's what faith is. I have this confidence as I navigate the complexities of life that I'm not in it alone. Like I just have this confidence on the inside of me. If you don't have it, you can exchange some of your doubt for faith today. But I have confidence. Like I'm just telling you that God is involved in the landscape of this world, in all of the chaos and craziness and corruption. God is in the midst of it, working his plan together. It's all going to end up okay. I've read the end of the book. Jesus is in charge. The king is coming back and he's going to set everything in order. I'm just confident. I, I don't understand some people who are world leaders. I don't understand Putin and I don't understand the Ukrainian president. I don't always understand Biden, but I understand the God we serve. He is large and in charge. Come on. I've got some confidence. I don't understand the global market, but here's what I know. I have a confidence and a peace and an assurance that God's my provider, not this world market. I have a confidence that he takes care of me. Come on. Does anybody have faith and confidence and assurance in God? It's all a setup. All those questions are setups. <laughs> faith, faith is living your life as if everything God said is true. That's a great definition of faith. It's just living your life as if what God has said is true. So when it comes to me committing my life, all of us as Christians, I'm not a better Christian than you because I'm a pastor. 
This is just my vocation. Some of you, your vocation is teachers and law enforcement officials or wherever you work. And you can bring glory to God in your job just as much as I can bring glory to God in my job or my career, my occupation. But at the end of the day, I've committed my life to my call because, again, I have this assurance and confidence that God's going to honor it. I have this assurance. So as I do what I do, as I commit my life and I make the sacrifice I make, I do it as if what God said is true. I do it as if everything he said is true, that one day I'm going to stand and give an account for my life. We are, my wife and I, we are generous in our finances. We give well above our tithe and our offerings, and we're bigger than kingdom builders. Why? Because I have an assurance that what God said is true, that I'm storing up treasure in heaven. I'm not putting money in an offering plate, and I'm not depositing it in a church bank account. I believe I'm storing up treasure in heaven. We believe that we're, we're seeing life change happen by the seed we sow. We believe as we give to kingdom builders and people like Convoy of Hope that they're helping refugees right now escape the war that's happening in Ukraine. We're a part of that. Do you know why? Because that's what God said. Come on. It's this idea as if everything God said is true. That's what faith is. How would you live different if you really believed everything God said was true? Well, sometimes we have doubts. Sometimes we're not sure. And he goes on, James goes on, he says this, watch. He says, but when you ask him, back up, let me, let me, let me just talk about doubts for a second. I want to make sure I hit this well. I think it's just natural sometimes for us to have doubts. The uncomfortable part is we feel like we can't talk about doubts in church. We feel like we have to have it all together. And if you have any doubts, like you're a bad person, if you have any doubts, you're not a good Christian. If you have any doubts, God doesn't love you. And again, the challenges that all of us have to recognize is while we want to have faith, while we say we have faith, there are times, if we're honest, at all of our campuses that I, well, I don't want to speak for you. There are times I sometimes have doubts. While there's times I have confidence and there's times this assurance is on the inside of me resonating about who God is and about what God said he was going to do. There's times I'm just not sure. Now think about the doubts that all of us wrestle with sometimes. I think sometimes we wrestle with intellectual doubts. And for some reason, these, these have become taboo to talk about in church, and it's unfortunate. Sometimes we have intellectual doubts about creation. Did God really create the earth? Is the earth 10,000 years old or is it 35 million years old? Is science and faith, are they compatible or are they not? And if we have any doubts, we feel like if we land in the faith category that you're one of those crazy Christians. And we feel like if we land in the science category, well, you don't really love Jesus. It's as if doubts like you just can't have these intellectual doubts. We just don't have intellectual doubts about creation. We have intellectual doubts about the uh, inspiration of scripture. Is the Bible just a book or is it really God's inspired word? I mean, I, have you ever read something like, I don't know about that. See, it's quiet because we feel like, well, I can't, people, nobody's going to raise their hands. Like, no, pastor, we got it. But we wrestle with these intellectual doubts. We have intellectual doubts about the incarnation. How can, the incarnation is the, the word of God, the eternal word of God, the son of God. God became flesh and dwelt on. How can a God inhabit flesh? How can a God become man? Is that, how does that happen? How do we measure that in a test? So we don't only have intellectual doubts. We have spiritual doubts. Have you ever really wondered, does God really hear your prayer? Have you ever asked yourself the question, am I really saved? Am I saved? Does God care? Let's talk about circumstantial doubts. 
And if you've not ever had a circumstantial doubt in your life, it's because you've not lived long enough yet. Live long enough and you will have a situation come on your horizon where you'll start to have some questions and have some doubts. Let one of your kids get sick and you'll start to wonder, God, where are you at? God, do you care? God, are you answering my prayer? Circumstantial doubt when you go through divorce, when you go through bankruptcy. Like sometimes we face situations in our life that are so big and so overwhelming. They feel like they move us out of faith into doubt and we just start to ask questions. So how do we navigate? On one hand, faith is operating your life as if everything God said is true. God wants us to have confidence and assurance. Everybody say those two words. God wants us to have confidence and assurance. But what do we do when we have questions? What do we do when we experience doubts? So James introduces us to this conversation and he's doubling down on the faith conversation. But again, watch what he says. He says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not Waver. Everybody say that. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave by the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Has anybody ever wavered before? Ever had questions? Ever weren't sure? Ever feel like you wonder where God was? It's permission. You raise it. If you didn't, don't raise it. How many people have ever had some questions and some doubts and some wonders before? Now, this one's about to sucker punch you. Listen to what he says. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now, here's the challenge with this verse. And the challenge isn't really with the verse, it's with our understanding, because again, we are raised oftentimes in church in our spiritual journey. We're taught that faith means that you have this, uh, you have this absolute 100% certainty. You never question, you never doubt, that we're, we believe that faith is certainty. I am certain, I'm 100% certain. And the problem is, if we're honest, most of us, most of the time, are not 100% certain. So we hit verses like this, and we're like, well, wait a minute, God, if, if loving you means I'm 100% certain, and I can just be honest before you and say, God, I'm not always 100% certain, so what's the point of praying? Because if I'm not 100% certain, then God, you already said I can't get anything from you anyways. And all of a sudden, it starts to create this conundrum, and it creates an issue in our hearts where we feel like we have to be dishonest. No, I'm 100% certain at the same time your heart is shouting these questions and concerns. And we talk about what we're going through in life, and we have to convince everybody, right? Oh, no, no, I'm good. God's got it. And we're like, does he? If you believe God, God's got it, you would never lose a wink of sleep. The fact that sometimes you lay awake at night wondering, according to this, means you're one of those such people. Because if you got absolute peace, you're just going to fall right asleep. So which is it? How do we navigate this big idea? And I think at the end of the day, as, as we lean into this conversation, he helps us understand something that probably the mentality of how we understand the God we serve is wrong. Anybody remember? I don't, I don't know if this still happens. I've not seen this in a while, but at least when I was a kid, and I know this still happens some, I think they just, they've changed the digital meters. Anybody raised in a, in, a, in a time or in a neighborhood where the meter men, meter women, meter people, no offense, they were all meter men when I was growing up. Like, you can be a meter person. Whatever sex you are, you can read meters. Anybody remember, like, you'd see the people wander through your yard, and they would put, put the number in, whether it was your water meter or your gas meter, and their job was to judge based on the meter how much usage you have. The problem is our mentality of God is that God is a, is, he walks around with a faith meter. And when you pray a prayer, like he's kind of judging you with his faith meter, like, do you have enough faith? And the question is, how much is enough faith? 
Is it 100%? You got to be 100% certain? What if you're only 99% certain? Did you, is he going to answer your prayer if you're only, I mean, only 99% certain? Maybe it's just you got to be over 50%. Like, I got some questions, but I'm like 51% certain that God, come on, is it, like we feel like God walks around and some of you are raised in churches like this. Some of you are raised in churches when it comes to healing. And I just want to say this. I believe God's word clearly teaches that God is a God who heals. Amen. I'm going to come back to that. But you can't debate God's word teaches that God, the God we serve, part of his covenant name is, is that he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. But the question is, when you're, when you're sick or somebody you know is sick, or how much faith is enough faith? I know some people, that they can't even admit they're sick because if you say you're sick, you'll never get healed. Some of you were raised in church like that. The Bible says, let, the, let those who are weak say they're strong. So I know I was diagnosed by cancer, but I can't even admit I have cancer because if I say I have cancer with the doctor, I'm agreeing with the negative report. And I, I just believe. That's foolish. How do you pray for healing if you can't admit you're sick? Y'all are real quiet. You know, how much is enough faith? How much is enough certainty when you're going through seasons of doubt and struggle, when you're trying to exchange doubt for faith? Again, some people just, when they're trying to navigate healing, again, some people are so radical, they just can't even admit they're sick. At the end of the day, I know the God we serve is faithful. God is going to make a way. God is going to come through. God is ultimately going to heal. If you're taking notes, so faith, faith is not confident, or faith is not confidence in your certainty, but it's confidence in God's character. My faith is not in my faith. My faith is in God. My faith isn't, do I have enough faith? My faith is that God is good, that God is gracious, that God's going to make a way, that God's made promises. The problem with faith is a lot of us are trying to navigate, do I have enough faith? The question isn't, do you have enough faith? The question is, are you connected to a gracious God? My confidence is in him. It's not in me. That's how you exchange the doubt you have for faith, is you get your attention off of you and you put your attention on the God of scripture. Hebrews eleven six says it this way. Watch this. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So at the end of the day, the way we navigate our relationship, it is faith. It is this confidence that he exists. It is this confidence that he's good. It is this confidence that he is engaged in our lives. It's, it's this assurance in life. Like the, you, you, you can't have a relationship with God without faith. So Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Everybody read this with me. For he who comes to God must believe that, everybody say those two words. You must believe what? That he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, here's why this is important. What the writer of Hebrews is saying in this conversation is that when you come to God, you have to believe that he is. Not believe that he exists, but believe that he is. Everybody say he is. He is what? He is everything he said he is in his word. When Moses was trying to navigate the call that God put on his life to go be the deliverer of the nation of Israel, some of you remember the story in the Old Testament. The nation of Israel, they're slaves in Egypt. God raises up Moses to be the deliverer. And he's like, not sure. He's wondering, like, should I go? And he asked God this question in this conversation when God wants to send Moses. He says, who should I say sent me? And God says two words. What's he say? Anybody know? Everybody shout him. I am. Everybody say I am. 
He says, I'm the eternal one. I am. This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. When you come to God, you have to believe he is, I am. I believe he's eternal. I believe he's good. I believe he's faithful. I believe he's honorable. I believe he's true. I believe he cares about me. I believe he's my heavenly father. I believe he's engaged in my life. I believe he's my provider. I believe he's my righteousness. I believe he's my strength. I believe he's my joy. So when I come to him, my confidence isn't in my certainty. My confidence is Come on, he is. Our faith has confidence not in the who or in the who, but not in the how. This is where we get off in our spiritual journey is we try to hold God to the how and God is more interested in being the who. It's this idea that we should live our life with a certain uncertainty. I'm certain about who God is. There's no question in my, in, in my life, in my experience, in my reading of scripture, there's no question about who God is. The problem is where a lot of us struggle in our doubts and wrestle with our faith is we always try to pin God to a how instead of just holding him to a who. He's revealed his character. He's just not always told us how he's gonna do it. So here's what I know is, I know God is gonna work in this world. I don't know how. And some of us, we've been taught that Jesus has to come back when I was in church, there was a book that just came out. I got saved March 19, 1989. I was in church in late 88, and there was a book that was circulating, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. <laughs> Someone wrote a book. Here's 88 Reasons Why Jesus... Well, newsflash. He didn't come back in 1988. So the author of the book, this takes some real guts. I can't use another word I was thinking of. His book, his book didn't pan out, so he wrote a new book, 89 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 89. Now, if you bought, if you bought the second copy after buying the first copy, you're a sucker. So as long as I've been in church, now here, watch this. As long as I've been in church, I've heard people talk about the second coming of Jesus. Every time there is a disruption in the Middle East, anytime Iraq, Iran, anytime anything happens in Palestine or Israel, anytime there's anything which is, if you're paying attention, like every other week, someone is re releasing a report or a blog or a podcast or a message or a book, here's why Jesus is coming back. And the problem is a lot of you were raised in church in that kind of church that they talked a lot about the second coming of Jesus. And when Jesus didn't come back, when you thought or when your preacher or when your book told you he was coming back, now you have all these doubts like, well, is he going to come back? Let me assure you he's coming back. Do you know why? Because he declared he's coming back. He promised he's coming back. My confidence isn't how or when he's coming back. My confidence is who he he is and he is faithful he is true Jesus is coming back so let's talk about sickness his promises listen our the promise of God is he is a healer now the challenge with that is I have seen people I myself have been physically healed I have been diagnosed with issues that I have been healed from I used to have I no longer have I have seen other people that I know personally that have had not just a feeling they had a diagnosis and they are no longer what the doctors said they are because the God we serve is a healer anybody here believe God heals so you ought to pray for healing the Bible says we lay hands on the sick and they and they recover like you ought if you're sick you should ask and you should pray those who come to him must believe that he is that he is 
is what? That he's a healer. Our confidence is that he is a healer, not in how he heals. The problem is when you pray for healing and somebody you love dies, now your faith is all bent out of shape because, well, God isn't true. No, he healed him. Now they really are 100% healed because where they are now, there is no more tears. There is no more sickness. There is no more pain. He did what he said he's going to do. Some of you might say that's a cop-out. That's not a cop-out. That's a fulfillment. My point is there are times God is going to do what you thought, but not because you thought it. It's just what he planned on doing. But when he doesn't do what you thought he should do, it doesn't change who he is. I have a certain uncertainty. I'm not, a, I'm not I'm uncertain about the how, but I am 100% certain about the who. That's how you exchange your doubts for faith is you get your focus right. So here's really good news. When he says, when he says those who believe that way, those who are wavering, such people, if you feel like your whole life you've been some of those such people, that because you have doubts and because you have questions, you're not good enough, maybe you're not even a Christian, how can I ever really pray anything? Because the writer of James, James said, man, such people shouldn't believe they're going to receive anything from the Lord. You need to hear this. Your doubts don't disqualify your faith. Just because... Just because you have questions doesn't mean you don't have faith. The opposite of faith, everybody hear this, the opposite of faith, it's not doubts. The opposite of faith is unbelief. Unbelief cancels faith. Doubt calls for faith. Let me say that again. When you read something, when you hear something, when you find something about, out about God and you're like, I don't believe God created this place. I don't believe God exists. I don't believe God loves me. Well, that's unbelief. But when you're like, I, I believe God created it, but I'm not really sure how or when, but I believe, God's, I believe God's the creator of the universe. I believe in the beginning, God said, let there be light and there was light. That's what I believe. How and when? Pff, I don't know. I wasn't there. I got questions, but I also have confidence. I have confidence not in the how. My confidence is in the who. I have this certain uncertainty. That I, I, so therefore, I live my life with a confidence. I live my life with an assurance that he's there, that he loves me, that he's for me, that he's working in my situations. It's not that I don't have questions. It's not that I don't have concerns. It's not sometimes I disagree with the how. If he would just take my call sometimes, I would love to tell him how he should do these things. I mean, I've got some really good ideas and some really good plans. But your doubts, just because you have doubts, it does not disqualify your faith. You can show up and sit in this church. You can show up and participate in this body. You can tune in online. You can have a daily growing relationship with the God who loves you through his son, Jesus, and still have questions. Here's what I know is the further you get in your journey, God will probably answer some of those questions. I, I don't have, all my questions haven't been answered, but I know this, I have left less questions now than I did 30 years ago when I started following because I've experienced him enough and I've read his word enough and I've watched him at work in, pe in people's lives just like you that I've seen him answer some of those questions, but I still have questions. If you have all the answers, you're not a follower, you're God because you know all there is to know and there's only one person who knows it all. Only God is omniscient. That's why the word says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He's going to do some stuff that you wouldn't do. He's going to do some stuff that you don't think he should do. And just because you have doubts does not disqualify you from faith. But if you have unbelief, you have to do something with it. Let me give you a couple things as we close real quick. A couple things I want you to write these down. How to officially make the exchange of doubts for faith. Number one, if you're writing this down, number one, confess unbelief. 
If you're here, you're watching online and like you just decided at some point in your life, like I just don't believe God's real. Maybe you would officially, and if this is you, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for coming. If you're watching online, thanks for tuning in. But if you've officially defined yourself, maybe not even publicly, but like you're an atheist, like I don't even believe God exists, or you're an agnostic, God is out there, but he doesn't care. He's the great watchmaker. He set creation in motion and he's disengaged. And maybe like now, maybe you're starting to lean into faith. I just would tell you that you need to confess unbelief. Father, forgive me because faith, or I'm sorry, unbelief is a sin. Unbelief is calling God a liar. And so some of the ways to navigate out of that is just say, you know what, God, I do have questions. I do have concerns, but I confess unbelief. Forgive me. I'm going to choose to take you at your word. I'm going to choose to begin to live my life a different way. Number two, you got to confront doubt. So if you have doubt, don't just, don't just allow it to be there. Begin to navigate it. Begin to chat. Pick up a book. Pick up God's book. Some of the greatest ways through doubt is to read scripture. If you have a specific conversation, you have, there's lots of great authors. If you ever have a question on a book, email me. I know lots of great authors, lots of great books. I can give you a topic. Don't get lazy. Use Google first. Lots of y'all lazy out on me and just, well, I'm just going to ask Pastor Steve. As your pastor, there's thousands of people go here. I literally answer in a month hundreds of questions. And I don't mind doing it, but some of you just get lazy. You're sitting at home one night and you just have a question. I'm going to ask Pastor Steve. And now I got the weight of answering your you know, question with a 40-minute response. I'm kind of busy. I love you. So Google first. If you don't get a good answer, I'd be happy to help you. But confront your doubt. Don't just allow it to dwell there because if you're not careful, doubt unchallenged can lead back to unbelief. Jesus was ministering to a man who had a kid with some issues, was sick. And he prayed a really powerful prayer to Jesus. He said this, he said, I believe, but help with my unbelief. He said, I, man, I, I've heard some things about you, Jesus. I'm really, I have this confidence you are who you are, but I'm not sure. I still have questions. What he was saying was help me confront and deal with my doubt. Number three, choose faith. Everybody say, choose faith. These aren't all the same thing. Choosing faith is this. Faith isn't a feeling. If you expect to feel love, I just choose, I choose to believe God's word. I don't feel love some days, but I believe he loved me. I choose faith. I don't know how that's going to work out, but I choose faith that God's going to make a way. God's going to, God's going to provide that need. God's going to, I believe God's going to heal that person. I, I choose to believe that God has my kids in his hands. I, I'm not going to work it out. I'm not sure how it's all going to come together, but I believe that God is in my daughter's lives, my two daughters' lives. I believe he's a part of my son's life. I believe he's in our marriage. I just choose faith. I choose faith in this world, in a world that is falling apart and driving towards chaos. I choose to believe that God is in control, that God's going to make a way. I just choose faith. Everybody say, choose faith. Look at your issue and choose faith. I choose faith. I choose to believe God. And if you don't have enough faith, number four, borrow some faith. Everybody remember the good old days? This hadn't happened in a long time because we don't even come out of our house anymore. Anybody remember the good old days when you needed a cup of sugar, a little bit of milk, and you would go knock on your neighbor's door? It's the most embarrassing thing in the world when you're like eight and your mom's like, go get us some sugar. Like, can you go get your own sugar. You don't have no sugar in the house. You go next door, knock on the door. My mom wants to know if she can borrow a cup of sugar. I don't ever remember taking the cup of sugar back, by the way. He said, how do you borrow faith? 
If you are struggling in a season of your life that your faith isn't strong, your confidence isn't strong, get around some people. Find people that have been where you are, figure out how they got through and just, hey, share your story. Testimonies are strong. When, you hear, when you're sick and you hear a testimony of how God healed, when your marriage is struggling and you hear a testimony of how God restored someone, man, you start getting your faith out there. You say, well, show me that in scripture. Here's what Paul said. Paul said in Philippians 4, he said this. He said, and my God, everybody say my God. He didn't say our God. He said, and my God, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. He said, you don't have faith to believe? He said, I'll believe for you. I believe my God can do it because I've seen my God do it. Borrow faith. Get with people that have faith you don't. And number five, live in faith. I don't mean live with the feeling. We've already said it's not a feeling. Actually choose every day to live your life as if all his promises are true. If you're not a giver in this house, that's what faith is. I choose to be generous. God's called me as a Christ follower to live generously, to be a giver. I'm going to be a giver. And I'm gonna live my life as if. That's how you know you have faith. If you're on a serve team, that's evidence of faith. Not because you're here to do what I ask you to do, because I believe every time I show up at 8.30 when I could have got here at 9.10 like some other people. I'm not pointing fingers, I just was saying. <laughs> it's like, Pastor, he's doing so good till right to the end. People get here early and serve and sacrifice. Why? Because they believe that they're honoring the Father. They believe they're walking just like Jesus walked, servant of this world. And they believe one day they're going to stand before God and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Why do we serve? Why do we give? Why do we do? Why? Because I have faith. Not that I don't have questions. It's not that sometimes I don't have doubts. But I have a confidence and I have an assurance. Not always in the how, but always in the who. How many people in this room or watching online need to exchange some doubts for some faith? So Father, all over our campuses, Lord, first of all, I just rebuke a spirit of deception that has lied to people in this room and said, because they have questions, they don't love Jesus. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would know that we can still have questions and still be unsure, but Lord, we still trust you. We still love you and we still have faith in you. And so, Lord, I pray, though, in, in Jesus' name, God, as we face struggles and challenges in life, I pray our default wouldn't be doubts, but would be faith, would be confidence, and would be assurance. In our kids, in our lives, in our spiritual journey, in all of your promises, we choose faith. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for that confidence we can have. When the world around us is falling apart, we can find a safe space in the palm of your hand. Father, we love you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen.